to you live from Columbia, Missouri. This is The Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of nonstop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia, and welcome to another edition of The Hot Corner. I'm Patrick Harrion. Alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Franz. It is Friday, a new month, a new show. October 2nd, 2020. Whew. October already? Jeez. Yeah, it was crazy. I was doing my prep yesterday, and I was like, I heard something on like a commercial on TV or something say it was in October, and I was like, it's October already? Like, we're already there? It's, it's, this year has gone by very fast. And even, even with quarantine and isolation and whatever you guys, all you guys went through at home, it's been a very fast year so far. And it's really been that way in sports as well. I yeah. mean, even since like March, since everything kind of, everything kind of shut down and everything shut down. It just felt the year just kind of flew by. And all of a sudden I was in August and watching hockey again. I was super excited. And then football started back up in September. It just all kind of, it all kind of blended together. Speaking of football, there was a Thursday night game last night. It was interesting, to say the least. Yeah, it was one of those um, competitive battles between two bad teams that just went on for a lot longer than it should have. See, I, I was I was focusing more on the postseason baseball aspect because I felt it had more more importance in the rankings of sports. Yeah, definitely have more relevance. I mean, anything if anything, what this game had was you know who's going to get the number one overall pick or who puts themselves in a better position because it's only week four, but who puts themselves in a better position to get that pick and it ended up being the Jets in this in this instance. Uh the Jets. Ah, oh, man. Well, what a team. What a team. I really kind what of feel culture. bad for them, but you know, it's, I don't. <laughs> I do. I mean, they've it's ever since like Super Bowl three, the team has just been through so much, and you always want to see you know. I have a couple of friends who are Jets fans, and I'd like to see them happy about this team, but they just, they they can't, there's nothing to be happy about with this team. Nothing at all. I mean, a lot of it is on management, bad hiring, like, just look at Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, come on. Yeah, and, on. you know, to that, we can throw out a bunch of things he does wrong. He hasn't been able to teach Sam Darnold. He's making a lot of the same mistakes. He's trotting out a 37-year-old Frank Gore when you have, you know, this running back you drafted in the fourth round. This is the season to see what you have in those guys. And, um, you know, someone put it out on Twitter yesterday as a Parcellsism. It's a progress stopper is what it is. You have this old guy that's taking snaps away from the young blood on the team when you want to see what you have. So I, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. Frank Gore could be on 31 other NFL teams and it'd be perfectly fine. But the Justice is not what he needs to be on right they, now. They just seem to do. They're, 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 you know what? They're like that one in-law you have that no matter what you tell them, they do the opposite. Every time they do something, just do it wrong. I was gonna say they're kind of like they're kind of like a child who's just playing Madden for like the first time, and he's just kind of like he sees like oh Frank Gore has got like an eighty overall. I'll put him in there and start him over my young running back. Like it's just kind of that that attitude is kind of what they've got going on in the organization right now. It's just they it's it's, it's a tough place to be. Yeah, and it's honestly we, we we yes the Broncos won. There wasn't much. To really say other than that. So we're just going to leave it at that. And we're going to talk to, for the next five or so minutes, is the Stanley Cup. And I need to gloat because I got half of it right. I picked the right amount of games. I did not pick the right opponent. But congrats, Tampa Bay. You proved me right in a week that I have been so wrong in literally everything. Yeah, I mean, in the past two weeks, 
I said on this on on air here that I was taking Dallas in seven because that was my original prediction, but I didn't feel good about it. And Tampa was, you know, a great team, and Dallas had to deal with some backbreaking injuries, like a lot of them that just kind of went down. I mean, it was tough for them to power through, but I mean, congrats to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The, they the, the Lightning it. were that team of destiny. They it, yeah. Ever since they scored seven games against Boston, or seven goals. I'm seven sorry, games against, against goals. <laughs> ever since they scored seven <laughs> goals against Boston, I was just like this. This is a team that is poised to make it all the way, and they were. And I mean, you know, congrats to Victor Hedman on winning the Conn Smythe. I thought it would be Pointer Palat, but and even maybe Vasilevsky, but Hedman definitely deserved it as well. Just a, a great team and a, a great series to watch. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up that I found quite interesting with the Tampa Bay Lightning in particular was the storyline from last year. I mean, we've seen stories like this before with UVA, where they went out in the first round of the college basketball uh, March Madness, and then they come back the next year and they win. It's just really refreshing story to hear a team to go from such an upsetting loss in the first first round again to the Columbus Blue Jackets and to come back the very next year with with force and fury and to fire and fury and end up winning the whole thing. It's just insane. Yeah, I mean they were a team with something to prove, and they definitely went out there and proved it on the ice. And I mean, in a crazy season. You know, I don't think anyone would have predicted that at the start, but they went out and proved themselves, and you got to give them props for that. Definitely do got to give them props for that because I I made fun of them so much since, since their loss to Columbus. Whether it had been their tweet that I wish I had it on my screen right now, I'd be able to tell what it was. But it was their their tweet of we don't know, we don't have really, we don't have much to say other than we're disappointed in ourselves. That got. We have no words, yeah. and we don't expect you to think that we have words or something like that. That, that, that was. I gotta find that. That was, we, that. that was spread throughout all of sports. Like every time a team had like a big loss, let's say it was like a postseason loss for for a baseball team, someone would post that on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm actually trying to find it myself as well because I know I have it bookmarked somewhere on my Twitter. On your Twitter.com. On my Twitter.com, I'm just scrolling through it trying to find it real quick. If you can give me a second here. All right, I think I actually. I found it. It says uh, we don't have any. Or Logan, do you want to? I, I could say it. I have it up, pulled up right here. But yeah, you. Or I just found it. But yeah, yeah, you go for it. It says, "quote We don't have any words, and we know you don't want to hear them. We understand your anger, your frustration, your sadness, everything you're feeling. We get it. This isn't the ending we imagined, and certainly not the one we wanted. Thank you for being there the entire way, Tampa Bay Lightning." It's very interesting to look at that and now see um, the Stanley Cup champions. Um, profile picture that they have on Twitter. It's very interesting to see the um, difference between that. But yeah, it was, I mean, just overall a great series, and it was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm glad they were able to crown a winner. I mean, you know, the NHL put something out on Twitter after this, thanking all the people that were involved in it, down to, like, the bus drivers that were driving the teams to the hotel from the arena. Like, it was just, there was so many people that went into making this a reality, and I'm glad they it, were it able to do it. was done right, one of the best jobs I've ever seen an organization do. Yeah, in a time where it's, you know, the nation isn't exactly in the best spot right now, it was great to see hundreds to thousands of people just come together and make something that worked and worked really well. It was really touching to see how everyone also, uh, came together in the face of at, adversity. At EA, I am targeting you directly. Put the bubble stadium in the NHL 3. So if you don't know, NHL 3 is an arcade game mode in that Patrick the loves NHL to play. series that all three of us love to play. We bonded over at freshman year. <laughs> we are all living together back I in the day. I will admit it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So I'd say, Eddie A, add it in there. Just just for historical purposes, I mean, honestly. It, it shouldn't take too much because the stadiums are already in the game. 
it's just to put the big screens and everything. Yeah, the and fake, the, the fake crowd noise. Yeah, the fake crowds. The, I'm covered <laughs> over benches. Yeah, oh, man. It, it, the bubble was a lot of fun. I it was. It. I watched it like nonstop from August 1st to the, you know, till the end, and it was it was a lot of fun. Just something to get our mind off of the way the world is and focus on some sports, which is you know exactly what they're there for. You love to see it. You really do. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to break down the big three games of the week in the NFL. All this and more in a hot corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. How was your day? Fine. Did you learn anything new? No. Anything I should know? No. Is everything okay? Yeah. Sometimes it can be hard to connect with teens. Use Connect With Me activity cards to deepen your conversations. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. This has been a fun season so far. I've enjoyed it. Part of it is because, you know, the Bears are actually playing well. Question With an asterisk, because they're probably the luckiest 3-0 team in all of sports. I mean, 3-0 Other than Louisiana 3-0. Lafayette, but that's another story. There are a few games this week that are worthwhile watching, as Scott Hansen would say, to put on your Octobox. If anyone's looking for an early Christmas gift for me, just buy me a shirt in the Red Zone font that says Octobox, and I will love you forever. You know, a kid dressed up as Scott Hansen for Red Zone, by the way. They gave him, he made like a big cardboard box and put on like a suit, and it was like he, it was like his costume. It was hilarious. But yeah, it's, it's funny. I, the whole thing is just funny. He's such an icon now. Imagine being Scott Hansen and having that association. It's hilarious. So, as you guys know, we pick three games of the weekend and upset, as usual. As I did a couple weeks ago, usually I'm the one who picks the first game to talk about, so I'm going to throw it over to the audience, that being Michael and Logan, or my co-hosts, as I should say, which sounds better, to pick which game we're going to talk about first. So I think the obvious choice here, I don't know about you, Michael, but I think the obvious choice is Chiefs-Patriots. Yep, I agree. All right. Chiefs-Patriots, two MVPs going head-to-head. Chiefs had a big win last week against the Ravens. The Patriots won, yeah, but... There was some some question marks brought up in that win last week over the Raiders, I believe, right? Not not if I'm right. Yeah. There you go. There was some questions brought up. Good. I I was up late last night, and my notes might be a little bit of gibberish at times, but there's a lot of baseball going on. Anyways, the the main storyline I have in here, and I have it bolded on my screen, is that Patrick Mahomes is going to have dad strength. (laughs) So you guys don't know, he announced earlier this week that him and his girlfriend, or fiancé, will be having... A kid? So there you go. Dad strength. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I'm worried about with the Patriots is, you know, how do they... They need to get their passing game going through someone that's not named Julian Edelman. 
You know, Julian, I don't have the exact stats, but he had his the best game of his yeah, life last week. 179 179 yards. yards. That's better than the Super Bowl two years ago, which was his previous best game of his career. But they they can't rely on that offense to filter through him. They just can't do it. And they need another passing option. I know everyone's going to be like, Cam Newton is rushing, and, you know, he's he's building some of that offense, but it, he, he can't be the entire offense. I mean, they need Rex Burkett had a good game last week, which is something that Maybe they can build off of going forward, but they don't really have anyone that strikes me as, you know, that guy who is first off playing consistently week in, week out, and people that they can trust on that offense to throw the ball to. Well, I'll tell you what. Sonny Michelle had 117 yards last week, and guess where the Patriots rank in rushing among the league? They're number one. So, I mean... against Miami. Yeah, well, yeah, but I understand that. Well, actually, Michelle had... 30, had 117 yards against the Raiders last week. So oh I think that that's, you know, and, and again, I mean, I, I don't think the Raiders are a bad team. I think they played the Saints very well. Um, but I will say, I think New England, you're right, Logan. I think New England has to have another attack where they bring in Nikhil Harry or if there's some other option that they can pick there for their wide receiving options because Camp Newton can't do it all himself. We saw that against the Seahawks. It just wasn't enough. There has to be a second individual in that receiving court that steps it up. And I honestly, I'll tell you, it's got to be one of those guys because, as you said, Edelman can't be having games like this. He's, he's old. He's very mm-hmm. old. He's not going to do that week him. in, week out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, just look, just look at... Uh, and a name I was seeing thrown around last week when I was watching Red Zone was Rex Burkhead on the Patriots. He had a great game last week. I mean, if the Patriots want to win, as Logan said, they need to find another wide receiver. They need to find someone else to carry the load. I mean, the Chiefs have the most explosive offense in sports in, in football right now. They do. And, you know, we saw against the Seahawks, the Patriots aren't going to be able to contend with that if they can't have someone other than Julian Edelman or Cam Newton, play a good game. I mean, they don't have a rushing attack. I mean, you mentioned Sonny Michel, and, you know, that's great for him, but he's been horribly inconsistent his entire career. Rex Burkhead isn't really much. They have James White out, who's, you know, been one of the best pass-catching backs in the league over the past few years. He's out due to personal issues, and I don't know if there was an injury. I do know that his, his dad recently passed away, and that's why he missed the Sunday night game two weeks ago. I'm not sure about last week or if he'll be on the field this week, but there there's a lot going on there. But he's they need another offense or they need another weapon on offense that can just step up. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate if you're um you know if you're New England right now. I think there's a lot of other things at play here. But I just want to say I think Tom or excuse me, not Tom Brady. Bill Belichick deserves mm. a lot of credit, I think. And I he think does. he does. I think he will actually win this divorce between him and Tom Brady. There's been a lot of speculation. Will Brady win this divorce? Will Belichick win this divorce? I think Belichick will because I think a lot of people have said, you know, there is some coaching inconsistencies or some differences how he's going to be able to adapt with Cam Newton, who has had kind of a down year last year and has kind of been in and out of the league with with what happened last year. But to his credit, I think Newton has played excellent so far. Granted, we're only three weeks in, four weeks in. But the way that I saw Newton go up against Russell Wilson, the MVP this year in my opinion so far, I'm confident that I think right now that Newton's going to put up big numbers against Patrick Mahomes' offense. I think this is going to be it's going to be a comparable game. I don't think the Patriots are going to win it necessarily, but I expect Newton to hang in there, and I definitely think that the, seeing a Patriots have a dynamic rushing attack from the quarterback position is not something that I've ever thought I would say at any point in time. I, I think it'll be a close game. I mean, I just I I can't pick against Mahomes. No, I can't. Given either. like what I he agree. did last week. I was going to say, we did this like, last I, I week, can't. and, I was and it came the back. Ravens, yeah. and the Ravens have a great I, defense. As I stated earlier in the show, I had a lot of bad predictions in the last week, one of them being 
the Oklahoma-Kansas State game being a game you don't want to watch and a game that would be a slaughter. I was wrong. The second being the Ravens beating the Chiefs. Well, <laughs> I wasn't right again. And the third being last night about how that'd be an awful game and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It was yeah. a bad game between bad teams. It was just competitive. It was don't, a good, it was a don't good spin game. it some way you can't. But I'm not putting lipstick on a pig here. I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun <laughs> game. I, that's, what, that's all you ask for in football is fun. All right, all right. All right, so Rep- according to Vegas, the Chiefs are favored by six and a half points as the lines as of last night. I'm going to go with my pick first. I'm not doing no score predictions, at least for this one. I have the Chiefs winning the game, straight up. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to say 38-34. I think the Chiefs win against the Patriots. Yeah, I was also going to pick KC if there was any if there was any doubt. I When we go in the same direction like this, it feels like something's going to go wrong. But I really think the Chiefs are just the better team in this game. All right, our second game of the week. I never thought I'd be saying it, but the Bears are being discussed here on the show. Bears versus Colts. And my one line I have for this game is this. For some people in their midlife crisis, they buy a Corvette, start an affair, or get divorced. For Philip Rivers, he moved to Indianapolis. Yeah, and I mean, the Colts are a very, very good team. They have the best defense in football through three weeks. I mean, you can look at who they played as a result when it's just three games, but they have the lowest yards per game and points per game allowed, and they've played the Jaguars, Jets, and Vikings. So, I mean, take that with what you will. But they're they're 2-1. and one. They're a great team with a very stout defense. and yeah, th- That defense... That defense won me my fantasy week last last week. Yeah, I mean, they were against the Jets. So they were just going to rack up points. But yeah, it is a very good defense. And I'm interested to see how the Bears offense comes out in response to it. Because, I mean, Nick Foles played great against Atlanta. He could have had up to five touchdown passes. One was called back because of the interception. Another was dropped in the end zone. But he, he could have easily had five touchdowns. And that's only in the second half. Now, I don't expect him to do that against Indy because it's not the same you know, not the same power level as Atlanta. But I think Nick Foles can bring the Bears to a win in this game. This will be the ultimate test for him. I mean, I've always seen him as a guy who's better being thrown into the fire in the middle of a game than someone who's a starter. Yeah, but Personally. you just can't do that every week. And I, I mean, know. he's much more consistent than Trubisky. Trubisky's making a lot of the same mistakes this season. He's missing on his deep balls. He's not reading the field well. He's not finding open guys. And I mean, sure, he's very athletic, and that's something you're losing when you have Nick Foles. But there's a trade-off there. Nick Foles gets the ball out quick and doesn't take a lot of sacks because he's you know, he's got a quick release. He's moving the ball quickly. Trubisky can just extend plays with his legs that Foles really can't, but it doesn't matter because Foles is always throwing the ball out very right. quickly. Right, you know, a thing that I wanted to bring up was I love him off of the RPOs, but the thing that I think is going to really upset you guys and the Bears in terms of this was the loss of Tariq Cohen. I think that without Tariq Cohen, the offense loses a dynamic, in particular with that rushing attack and that kind of that, I would say, kind of that scat back mentality. I know he's really short, and I know he doesn't like to be called short, but that's part of his. Uh, that's part of what makes him so good. So I think right now the Bears are in kind of a crucial situation where they're they're 15th ranked in defense, or 25th in passing, 11th in rushing, and 19th in total offense. I think that's kind of a rough numbers for a three and O team. I think the, the Bears got the job done either way, but it'll be interesting to see how they match up against any. This is kind of a real test, I think, this week. Yeah, and I mean, Cohen takes away some speed from the Bears that they, you know, all offseason they were talking about, we need more speed on offense. So they went out and signed Ted Ginn Jr., who, I mean, hasn't done much, but he's been on the team still. Um, Darnell Mooney, the fifth-round draft pick out of Tulane, has looked really good the past few weeks, and he brings some much-needed speed to that offense. But other than that, they don't really have much, and that's kind of the, you know, that's they have David Montgomery, but he's more of a 
bruiser type. Not even a bruiser type. He can, you know, make some guys miss, but he's not necessarily fast. It's not his biggest strength. And then Cordero Patterson's probably going to take some snaps at running back. And they signed up Artavis Pierce off the practice squad, but that's, you know, yeah, I think he ran a four four seven forty. So they they still are missing a lot of speed with, with Cohen out for the season. I think a big issue right now, if you're Indianapolis and if you're Chicago, I think Chicago has to come in there this week with, you know, hit the ground running, as I like mm-hmm. to say. They, they have to really kind of come out there with fire and fury because I think this is a team or this is a game where they, as, as we talked about last week, this is a, a game where they cannot afford to be behind. They played the Lions, who are obviously bad. They played the Giants, who are obviously bad. And they played Atlanta. And Atlanta, I think, to their credit, I don't think they're as bad as the record shows or indicates. But I will say they've blown twice you know, twice in two weeks. They've blown significant, substantial leads against teams. So this is, a, this is I think, a, a real test if you're the Bears right now. Do they deserve – are they a 3-0 team right now in terms of what the numbers say, what they can build on? Or is this kind of another thing where we talk about which is kind of just a fluke? Yeah, so we have to see kind of, it's, it's be important. It's, it's that – I use this word a lot when I'm talking about college college football. It's it's that big prove me game. Prove mm-hmm. to me that you're a three and team. Prove to me that you deserve to be in the conversation for a potential division champion. Yeah, and, they and that's have, what it, this this game proves. This is what it is. What weeks one and three were for me. This was this was a crazy stat I saw last week. The Bears are the first team in NFL history to. Wipe away two 15-point deficits or 15 or more point deficits in one season. They've done it in three weeks. Yeah, they became the first team in NFL history to do that. And I mean, that's not you know that's not sustainable. They need to find their defense needs to come out big. And this is a good offensive line, but you need Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn to and even Akeem Hicks force River into making some bad decisions. You know, make him get rid of the ball quick. He's not athletic. He can't really extend plays. You just need to, you need to. You need to get to him, and Khalil Mack has done a great job of that the past few weeks, getting to quarterbacks, maybe not getting the hits, but at least getting to him. So they they need to get that done, and then hopefully the secondary can pick up the rest. The Colts are favored by two and a half points. I'm going to be the homer, and I'm going to go with Da Bears on the show here. My score prediction is going to be 17-16. to 16. There you go. This is the issue with talking about the Bears is that we, you know, me and Patrick get into that mentality. But I think they have a chance. I think if Nick Foles plays the way he did last week, the Bears definitely have a chance in this one. And, I mean, I'm going to pick something that I want to root for, so I'm going to pick Chicago in this game. Okay, I'm going to go last on this segment, obviously, because we got our two loyal Bears fans in front of me. But I will say I'm going to pick Indianapolis. I, I credit Chicago it, with— It's a safe pick. A no, safe I, pick. I credit Chicago with what they've done. I think if you erase two 15-point deficits, you've earned your way to a 3-0 record. But I will say I think right now Indianapolis looks to me like the better team. I think that offensive line is going to play really well and give Rivers a time he needs to throw, and that number one defense is hard to pick against. So I'm going to say Indianapolis 17-13. Also, they scored 30 points against Atlanta. Like, if you score 30 points, you deserve to win a football game. Right. Our final game to talk about here, a game, another game I, I honestly did not see us talking about it, at, and I was looking through the schedule this year. But, hey, as I've said, I am very bad at predicting things. So, last game, we're talking about the show here, Bills and Raiders, and two teams that have been surprises this year. I mean, I've been on the Josh Allen train all the time. I, I've, I loved watching him in college in Wyoming. I've, it's a lot of fun to see him play for the Bills. As for the Raiders... I need Josh Jacobs to have big games because I picked him in fantasy, so there's some bias in there already. But Gruden has done a very good job he has, as of late for and for Vegas. I almost said Oakland. And 
I, I want to oh. prove a point here. I'm just going to give you two guys, two separate set of, st- set of stats. You're going to tell me which guy you'd rather have for the first three weeks. So quarterback one has 71.1% completion percentage, 1,038 yards, 10 touchdowns, and one pick. Second one has a 67% completion percentage, 887 yards, and nine touchdowns. Let me guess. The former is Derek Carr. The former is not Derek Carr. Former is Josh Allen. Well, I, I thought you were going to surprise Josh us Allen, today. So I'm going to go with number the first guy. You're going to go with the first guy. I was I was keeping them anonymous to hopefully not run into that issue, but I figured you'd think one of them was Josh Allen or Derek Carr. Well, Logan, you see, the but, thing I mean, is, is that the... I thought you were going to surprise me there by saying that Derek Carr was the former because I would expect Josh Allen to be the better quarterback. Well, no, I was saying here is I wasn't comparing Josh Allen to Derek Carr. You know who I was comparing Josh Allen to? And here's the who? kicker. Aaron Rodgers. What? And that was that was a segue into me saying that Josh Allen has been the best quarterback in football this year, not named Russell Wilson. And yeah, I think that I think wow, I mean I didn't put honestly. in his rushing stats in there because obviously he's gonna blow Rodgers out of the water there, but he's been a very good quarterback to start the season. Wow. I'm gonna walk out the studio right now. Do it for, for the sake of the show, please do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, but the Bills' offense, seriously, I mean, they rank fourth in the league. They're, pass, pa, they're second in passing. Uh, the one thing that I am concerned about, though, is they're 19 in defense and 26 in rushing, so that's something that they're going to have to look at right now. But I think Josh Allen, to his credit, and I think Logan, I mean, I, I love watching the guy play. He's got an absolute cannon for an arm. I think ball placement, there is a little bit of issues there, but I think when you have Stephon Diggs in your offense, I think everybody's just lighting it up or off the field. So I honestly, I like the Bills in this game a lot. I think the Raiders had a game with the Saints where the Saints did not have the, they called them the Michael Thomas-less Saints, and I think that changes the dynamic of the Saints quite a bit, uh, which gave them the edge there, but I really like the Bills in this game. Yeah, the Bills' offense has been great to start the season, and the trade for Stephon Diggs proved to, you know, proved to pay off. They got Stephon Diggs, and John Brown has really benefited from that trade because he's not the number one guy. He's not getting double covered Gabriel Davis the rookie has looked real good for them and you know Cole Beasley is still doing what Cole Beasley does so they've just got a great offense there and you know Devin Singletary and Zach Moss is a great tandem obviously Zach Moss missed last week but he should be back this week but they've just they've got a really high-powered offense there and it's you know they they have some things to prove still on defense but we've seen this team be a solid defensive team throughout most of its you know throughout most of Sean McDermott's ten, um, tenure so I'm excited to see where how this game goes for them. I I have had so much fun watching the Bills this year. I mean, I've always I've I've always liked the team. I mean, when Brady was on the Patriots, of course I always read for the Patriots in that case because I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. You can say what you want about that. You can come at me on Twitter.com. Twitter.com. But I mean, this game I think this game is to be probably one of the best. Of this weekend, I mean, you can say what you want about Chiefs Patriots. That's probably gonna be number one. It's that game could either end in a blowout or not. This game, I think, would probably be the closest game you watch, mm-hmm. with the yeah. running prowess of Josh Jacobs and the cannon of Josh Allen. I mean, that's a perfect combination. Yeah. I mean, the Raiders are two and one. I'll, I won't take that away from them, but there's, you know, I want to see some more from them. I mean, they just they have something to prove. They, I need. You know, their defensive personnel concerns me. They've been 25th in points per game allowed and 27th in yards per game allowed. That's not something that you want to be at. And your offense is yet to prove it to me. I, you know, I've been a Derek Carr fan for as long as anyone. I do really like his game, despite, you know, everyone constantly coming at him. But he needs he needs his wide receivers to help him. They drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round, and he missed last week. But other than, you know, he hasn't really been the guy they want him to. 
Um, Hunter Renfro is hoping to develop. They're hoping to develop into that slot receiver. Patrick chuckled as I said that, but I mean, he's. Uh, I just laughed at Hunter Renfro because yeah, I feel like he's, he was in college for like seven years. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they drafted Brian Edwards in the third round. Tyrell Williams, I believe, is still there. So they need to, or I believe actually Tyrell Williams is out for the season. So scratch that. But they they need someone to step up. I mean, Darren Waller is great, but he can't do it all on his own in the passing game and. You know, if you find out Josh Jacobs, stack the box against him, stop him from going anywhere, this offense, you know, it stagnates. So they need to find someone else to get going. The Bills are favored by three. I'm going to go talk. I'm picking Bills this week. Just for fun and my love for Josh Allen and his play and just Bills Mafia on its whole. Bills win. Some people might be expecting me to pick the Raiders in the upset. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm going to say the Bills win this game. I think they're overall the better team. And I I am excited to watch Josh Allen this week, because I am every week. Probably my favorite quarterback outside of the team of my own, which I have my own issues with Dwayne Dwayne Haskins. excuse me. But yeah, I I like uh, Josh Allen a lot. I think this is going to be a good win for the Bills. I want to take the Raiders to kind of deviate from the pack and, you know, prevent tragedy here but i think the bills are the better team and i think they're going to come out on top before we go to our upset pick of the week logan i want to ask you how have we done this year so far okay so it's going to be none of us have picked an upset correctly and i'll start by saying that but right now currently in third place with point i'm not sure if i ever explained the way we're doing it but one point for each of our big three two for upsets michael currently through three weeks has two points Oh Obviously, <laughs> there was only one game picked right in week one, so oh don't. My goodness. Yeah, so don't. I mean, don't you know? Freak out over that too much, and there's still a bunch of time to come back. I'm gonna you just walk gotta, out of the studio right now. Listen, you got to nail those upsets. I mean, that's what they're there for. But regardless, in second place is Patrick with five points. Hey, there we go. And Boo. in first place, yours truly with six. So me and Patrick are very close, but we do pick games fairly similarly. Most of the time, I mean, we're in lock, complete lockstep this week, hey, so you need to rely on that upset before, to pull ahead. Good minds think alike, but idiots, idiots rarely, rarely disagree. <laughs> and no man is a failure who has friends. Yes. Way to quote, it's a wonderful life. All right, upset of the week. As we all know, I love picking upsets in this week, and this one, well, <laughs> this one's going to garner some laughs towards my way and probably some attention <laughs> on my Twitter.com. Eagles versus Niners. What? Fly, Eagles, fly. They're down... Seven by Vegas already, and the injuries have been bad. But Carson Wentz, I have faith that he has something left. What? This I is... have something left. I I think he ha- he needs a game. I mean, this is a this is an opponent that has also had injuries. You have Garoppolo coming off of an injury. They're missing Bosa. Guys have been getting hurt all the time on this team. I don't know. I, there's what? there's some kind of hunch I have here. Like everyone's looking at me like I'm getting like looks of insanity in the you in the, are in the crazy, but you are this is insane. I I oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> you know who I only have a no right judge policy think, on the upsets, but come I think on. Carson Wentz will have a big game. You remember um, Doc oh from Back to the Future, like the mad scientist. Yes. <laughs> That's who you remind me of right now. Just going <laughs> off on a limb, crazy. <laughs> he's got the hair. But I mean, what happens with him works. So I mean, I won't call you out completely for it. But I think I think the Niners, even with the injuries, are the better team than the Eagles. But I mean, hey, that's you why heard it's an it upset. Here first, Nick Mullins looked great last week. Really? Oh, I, I, uh, I I I I need a Logan. Go ahead. I need a second. Right. Okay, I will. I will go with my upset. Um, not much to say because I already said everything that I have to say. But my upset is I'm. Just, I'm going with Chicago, doubling up on them. You gotta go big or go home here on upsets, man. Come on. Oh, I think it's still a bold upset. I mean, I didn't expect you to choose them with me, but I mean, hey, it's an upset's an upset. All right, Michael, go on. I'm gonna take Carolina over Arizona. I like how Bridgewater matches up versus Kyler Murray. I think it's gonna be a good game. Uh, 
Carolina's my upset this week. All right. With all that said, watch that Eagles Niners game. You might oh my be surprised. goodness gracious. We're going to take a short break. Insanity. We come back. The wild card craziness in baseball here on the show. On the case on that corner at KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ag Council. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. Playing the old... A different girl every day of the week. It's cool, not trying to put it on you. I had to let you know that I got a crush on you. And the new... Beautiful morning... We're at KCAU FM Columbia. I did not expect myself to enjoy the new postseason format in baseball. The 16 teams making it, I was not a fan of at first, but the games have been nothing but fun. And we've had... Some interesting games happen already. I mean, just look at the Twins. If that's not what pain is, I don't know what, what is else. That the six, is that the say that's the 16th time that they have it? Is that a record? I think that's a record for like the, that, that franchise is cursed. I actually heard. Um, I'm going to correct you. 18 games. 18. Oh, my goodness. 18 games. Now, I was that in, is awful. I was watching. Um, I was, I, they had ESPN on the Student Center the other day, so I was watching it. And I believe I heard this. They are the... They they they're like the longest playoff, longest time without a playoff win since um, in baseball only to the Mariners and the Marlins. Those are the only two teams that haven't won a playoff game in as long as the Twins have. So I mean they've they've been there a couple times, just can't seem to or the postseason series maybe, but they haven't been able to close it out regardless. You know, I mean they've ran into they've had a history of bad luck. They've ran into the Yankees a lot. Enduring those losses, and they ran into a team. I mean, the Ast- say what you want about the Astros, about their whole cheating scandal and whatnot, but there's there was no way that team was going to continue to hit as poorly as they did in the regular season. Guys like Altuve and Correa, Bregman, Bregman had a decent, okay season. They're batting in the in the lower two hundreds. There's no way they're going to hold up with that. You know, with or without trash cans, I will say the Astros impressed me, I think, in this series. But I still cannot believe the Twins. It's been 18 games where they haven't. I mean, the Twins, they are a good team. Like, it's it's not – I don't understand it. The it it's, a, it's, a mix, had, it's a mix of bad luck and seating arrangements. But there's no competition and there. Choking. There's no comp- – I mean, it's sweep after sweep after sweep after sweep after sweep. I have no idea – how an organization could be this unlucky thus far? I mean, you know, they've got a, a decent lineup: Kepler, Sano. I mean, this is this should the be the wonder of Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, and then they've got decent pitching. I mean, the pitching isn't like top notch, but it, it's it's good. I just don't understand how an organization could go through this much of a drought for th- such a long time for so many games. Hey, some people were saying about that with the Cubs, and it took them a hundred years. So, 
If anyone knows, to be how fair, long 2016 team go, ranks yes. up in the top five all time. But yes, but I mean, I don't know where. What do you do? If, like with the, with the, I don't know. It's so mind-boggling. I, I saw a tweet yesterday that said if you bet a hundred dollars against the Twins for the last eighteen games, that a hundred dollars, like if you kept winning and rebetting against them, you would have three point two million dollars. Wow. Just for betting against them. This wow. Is, I mean, this is a disclaimer that the hot corner does not endorse gambling. As my grandpa said, gambling is evil when he was taking my poker chips away in a, in a <laughs> Texas Hold'em game. Anyway. <laughs> I, go, where do you go from here? It's the Twins. I'm like, honestly, like, joke, like if I want to joke about it, I'd say just delete the franchise at this point. But, I'm going to say that about the Falcons. I mean, <laughs> you, you have the White Sox who are going to be a threat in the Central for years to come at this point. You have the Indians that looked like they were going to be in that weird rebuilding in between that, I mean, retooling age, but then they got Shane Beaver, and he just went off on the league. And even they lost against the Yankees. So they're in a situation as well. They're like, there's so many questions about that American League Central as we go into next season that I don't know if I'm going to get any answers to. It it feels like one of those scenarios where you see sometimes in sports where a team looks very, very good, and you're like, okay, well, we didn't win at all, so we need to fix some things. But what do we fix? Like, you don't know you, you don't know what the problem you, you is. It just train. keeps happening. You, you can't train how, how to perform in the postseason. I don't even mm-hmm. know I where to make... start if I am Jim Poland, Derek Favley, the president of baseball operations in uh, Minneapolis, and then Tad Levin, the general manager of the Minnesota Twins. I have no idea. Or Rocco Baldelli. I have no idea what I do right now. I have no idea. I, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I would. I you know I draw. Par- um, Patrick always talks about how he draws parallels to baseball because it's his favorite sport. I love to draw parallels to football because it's my favorite sport. Kind of feels like the Ravens of last year, where they got bounced in the second round to the Titans. You look at this roster and you're like, well, this is a very strong roster. Where exactly do we improve? We like what we've got in the receiving core. We like our running backs, and you know they just ended up adding more. But they love what they have. But where do you exactly go from here? They feel like their roster is poised to make a run, but they just can't get over the hump. It's, it's it's atrocious. It really is. It's just, you really don't know. And that's the thing about it. You, that team has so much potential. They just And I've thrown it around a lot with other teams like the Reds. If they just got it together. But they can't. I mean, I, given how last season went, give it another run. This is the kind of situation the Cubs are in. I wouldn't say in terms of contracts and whatnot, because the Cubs, a lot of guys in the Cubs are going to be gone, potentially gone after next season. So I just give it another run. I mean, you have a good core. Everything's there. I mean, eventually you're going to figure it out. Eventually your guys are going to perform the way you expect them to in the playoffs. They just haven't been able to do it yet. Maybe it's lack of experience with those guys, but they've you know they've got to get over the hump eventually. You would in, think so. In terms as in, in the rest of baseball, some of the divisional series have been decided already. Astros and A's will be in the American League and the Yankees and Rays as well. We're still waiting on, actually, we are not waiting on another team. I don't know where that came from. It's, we're mostly waiting on the National League. We have the Cubs and Marlins playing game two today. Yesterday's game was canceled due to rain. Cardinals, Padres playing game three tonight at six o'clock. Dodgers won their series against the Brewers, and the Braves beat the Reds. Shutting them out twice, which is quite embarrassing for a team, as quoted by Joey Votto. So what he said, 
A team that terrifies everyone. Yeah. Whew, man, you could have been far from the truth. But I mean, looking at this and seeing how the Red seeing how the Braves played, especially holding that Reds offense to zero runs back to back games, even when it went into extra innings, that's quite I mean, the feat. I look like an idiot, but you know, I I said I yeah said, you well, were wrong. I was well, gonna say is that just a standalone statement? I, well, I mean, I would say in particular because I picked the Reds to be in the World Series because I, I said, hey, fun, you know, you got White Sox fun, Reds 1930s baseball. I mean, that's yeah. why I chose the Stars to be in the Stanley Cup. I don't Cup. think it that's just an unfair statement to make. Got both of your predictions are wrong. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is that as Logan nearly said, chokes on his drink over there laughing at I was bad at predicting me. things. No, Man, you know what? Okay. All right. Not L- only are you up. last in our NFL picks. Okay. okay. You're getting everything wrong. All right. Hey, All Michael, right. did we tell you that um, too many wrong predictions? Let's take it easy over here. Do we tell you that too many wrong predictions means you'll be um, excommunicated from our show? Uh, you know what? I'm going to walk out of the studio right now. It's the third time you said that today. No. <laughs> Actually, do that, it if you're not scared. That's a record. No, but I honestly, I think if you're the Reds right now, I don't, I really did not think they were going to perform this poorly. I mean, I know the Braves had, I think it was fair to say, and I was listening to a couple of shows out there that were saying the Braves had kind of a curse thing going as well with the way they played against the Cardinals last year um, in that NLDS. And I think that the Braves have a significantly, had a significantly hard time winning postseason games uh, when they mattered most. And I, at most. And I think, um, you know, I like Trevor Bauer a lot. Um, for the Reds, and I think the Reds had a decent hitting lineup, and I thought they might have been able to pull that off with you know the three games that they had. But you know, to their credit, the Braves played really well and held them to no runs. Um, you know, that's just you know it's surprising. I mean, I didn't think that would happen in this series, and I, I, I tip my cap to the Braves here, and I am very humbled, very humbled. I, I would say what's also been been a bit of a surprise is this wild card round as well. Was Clayton Kershaw last night against the Brewers? Say what you want. I mean, the Brewers had their franchise worst batting average ever this season, but Kershaw seemed to exercise his demons. Eight innings pitched, three hits, thirteen strikeouts. I mean, this is not something you're used to. I saw a stat uh, yesterday that said out of any pitcher in postseason history has thrown over a hundred innings, Clayton Kershaw was the worst ever in the history of baseball. Wow. To come out and pitch the way he did yesterday might give the Dodgers a little more confidence next time. I mean, remember last year they put Kershaw in late innings against the Nationals, and you all know how that turned out. I mean, that's not the only time Kershaw has choked in high-pressure situations. So keep keep an eye out for him in the next series, whoever they play against. But really, what do you guys think about the Padres? Because I was watching that game last night over Thursday Night Football because I really didn't care. I'm going to be honest with you. I really didn't care much for Thursday Night Football. Postseason baseball is on. I'm going to watch that. Michael, you can go make fun of me for saying whatever. If the Cubs are on at this point, I'm going to watch that. Anyway. <laughs> the Cubs are playing at that. <laughs> the Padres, they, they were waiting for those home runs to come out, and they did. Last night was a lot of fun. I mean, just look, just look at Fernando Tatis Jr. Two homers. I mean... This team, if they, here it comes again, I sound like a broken record, if they can just hit, they can do so much damage in the The postseason. pitching isn't great. The pitching has been far from great. But I will say, well, I, was, I always like to be nice when it comes to stuff like that. But I, I think right now, the way St. Louis, the way Wainwright and Molina looked in the earlier stages of the game, 
I was like, there's no chance the Padres can catch up if they're being out hit through that period of time. And then they just turned it on. I mean, the name that I haven't said for a long time, Will Myers, um, you know, and they were discussing it on the broadcast how Will Myers was not, you know, the the star player on that organization that they thought he would be uh, from the guys that they had, Fernando Tatis Jr. And they obviously they had um, Manny Machado. And, you know, I think it was a situation where you basically had a team that was going at it there. And they were they strung hits together. They played very well, and they put eleven runs on them. So it was like, you know, I was very happy about it. I was very happy about it for them, at least. I was. I, I was happy because I always like to see new teams advance in postseasons. Other and I have the decisive game three tonight because the way the wild card set up, if you haven't figured it out already, there's a best of three series, which is interesting. I mean, they might adopt that if they stay with the old playoffs. How it was set up. The wild card games are only one game. I like to see, honestly, a seri- a, seri- a three-game series is honestly a good idea for a wild card game series. As for the Padres, as someone who is not a fan of the Cardinals, to say the least, I mean, here comes Tobias from Chicago. Here it comes. I like seeing the Padres win. Something about it. I mean, regardless of my bias, I like seeing new teams in the playoffs. The Padres, whether you think they were a year too soon or right on schedule, they've been nothing short of spectacular to watch this season. I thought they were on schedule. I didn't. I didn't take issue with with what was going on in, in the league. I think when we talked about this a couple years ago, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but you know, they said San Diego. I said was maybe two, three years away, and now they're at that stage where they can start winning substantial playoff games. And I'm I'm very happy with how this franchise has panned out. I thought they had a good process. They had good prospects. I thought they made the right decisions when it came to the front office and management, and now it's all the, now it's paying off. And that's something that I, I I thought you know, and I think Patrick, we and I had this conversation where we thought San Diego would be that powerhouse team that would eventually start winning World Series, stringing together those wins. So it's you know they've been a good team. So the final thing I want to talk about a little bit here is in Chicago. It's both the White Sox and the Cubs. We got a few minutes left before we go to break. Cubs. They aren't giving me a lot of hope in this team, the way they've played really this season in terms of hitting. They started out the season phenomenally, 13 and 3. Hitting was all there. And then ever since then, they've been a little, they've been about a 500 team. And hitting wise, they haven't exactly came to play, especially against the Marlins, a team that already has so much stigma around the Cubs' history. If you remember in 2003, Steve Bartman, all that fun stuff. But I mean, they got you Darvish throwing today. I think. It's on the Cubs' side to potentially win this game if the bats show up. As for the White Sox, 2017 me was wrong, and honestly, I'm very happy that I I am. I was going to look for the soundbite of me saying White Sox 2020 World Series champions, but I couldn't exactly find my archive for the first edition of the Hot Corner I ever did back in high school. <laughs> so as we we before we go out, I'm going to... Ask both of you guys to predict the Marlins and Cubs game and the Cardinals and Padres. So I'm going to go first. I have the Cubs winning today's game. As for the Cardinals-Padres, I'm going off of the team that has more momentum. I'm going to pick Padres to win this one. Yeah, I think, as you said, Patrick, if the Padres can just hit, and I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I think they're going to beat St. Louis in the decisive game three. And I also I like the Marlins a lot in that series. I think I was very, very surprised that the Cubs would sweep them. That did not happen. I think the Marlins win that series against the Cubs. Never thought keep, I'd say that. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm taking the Cubs and the Cardinals. All right. You heard it here first, guys. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, 
the final word. All this and more on that corner on KCU.fm and KCU.fm. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man. Mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man. Mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man. Oh, man. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. KCOU would like to shout out East Side Tavern. It's the bar that's bizarre. Downtown Columbia's best karaoke comedy club. With a huge selection of drinks and activities and themed nights every week, East Side is a solid place to hang out. the student center at around this time 8.51 every Friday that school is in session you will see Logan and I throwing our hands up in in response to shout and Michael being time. a buzzkill Michael just kind of sits there shakes his head as I, like, I did I, guys, I pumped you, my like fist when we were doing it I did I did I was over here pumping my fist however when you hear shout some might think of Animal House for me it'll always be the final word as you know the final word is my favorite segment on this show we all have our own little thing we talk about as for me I talk for about some kind of weird sports show. Michael does a Hero of the Week, and Logan does a good feel-good story to send us off into the weekend, into your work day on Friday. So, as always, I'm going to go first, and mine is situated around fantasy sports. As we all know, fantasy sports is one of the, is one of the best things about technology in recent times, and fantasy football is one of my favorite things to do. But it wasn't until I was a freshman in college that I really ventured into the world of fantasy sports. I did some fantasy baseball a little bit, as a middle schooler and high schooler, but I really didn't follow it that much. This week's story comes from across the pond, the town of Greenwich in Great Britain, right outside of London, where one man picked the wrong year to lose his fantasy football league. They call it football. We call it soccer. Just going to clear that up a little bit there. For some leagues, people lose their money. In some leagues, it's a 24-hour date at Waffle House. That's another one of my favorite stories from last year. But for some leagues... And for Chris Talbot's league, it was public humiliation. His punishment was this. He became a trophy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, he was painted gold, dressed as a soccer player, and forced to stand on a pedestal that read, Loser. (laughs) He was paraded around Greenwich, went through the train, even had his own gold face mask that he wore. And he was... You'd see him at the corner. There it was, holding the so- holding in its weird position, and on the pedestal, just read, loser. <laughs> I guess that's one trophy you'd never want to win. He might have been a loser, but he took it like a champ. Wow. Yeah, we, we, mean, I've never been in the league where I've, you know, faced punishment I, I, for I've being heard, a I've loser. Heard of leagues, but... I've heard of leagues where people would have to get a 
a feather tat- a feather earring. That was the league I remember hearing. And my favorite story was the 24-hour Waffle House marathon. The guy had <laughs> this guy. I don't know where it was, but he had to eat every time he ate a waffle. One hour was taken off, so he's like, "I've got to eat twelve waffles." And the whole the whole Waffle House group, everyone was working there, was like cheering them on, and they were. <laughs> oh man, we, we we should have done something like this. Yeah, Maybe. I feel like I feel like next season we've got to come up with a, well, um, well, all, a punishment. The loser will have loser. to go to Speaker Circle and hold up a sign that says, "I I stink at fantasy football." <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think right. I have an idea of Michael, where this is heading. But you're next. All right. Uh, my hero of the week, obviously, you all heard last night about the Broncos winning. I was going to go with Brett Rippon of the Denver Broncos' first career start, albeit it was a little bit rough uh, through three picks in that game, but I think he overall looks solid making his first career start for an NFL franchise. Everybody out there was saying, eh, Rippon in Boise State. He was good for Boise State, but he was bad for the NFL. Well, I think he had a pretty darn good showing last night, and there is some hope in the air for the Denver Broncos after that. Um, very good, I'd say, or I wouldn't say great, but I'd say solid start. Uh, for a team in which he threw a very nice touchdown pass to Jerry Judy. Um, then guys got a cannon for an arm, and I think they found the answer. There's more credit to Judy on the touchdown than Rippin for it was, sure. I like the little tap dance. I like the little tap dance into the end zone, though. I thought that was fun. Yeah, but I mean, um, don't get it twisted. Pierre Drisier definitely should have tipped that, yeah, that should have that, that should have been an interception, but hey, God was on his side. And he took a wrong angle. I mean, it Placing happens. it in God's hands. But yeah, Brett Rippin, my hero of the week. <laughs> Yeah, I love the I I was critical of Brett Rippin, but he did he did have a good start. I mean, those picks were kind of killer, but regardless, he did have a good Against start. That's defense. kind of expected in your first kind of start. I mean, yeah, he he can definitely be a backup. But anyways, my final word story comes to you from Carolina, from Charlotte, North Carolina, reported actually by NBC Sports Philadelphia. So you can call this a national story. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> Russell motions. Douglas is a corner for the Carolina Panthers, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles. He's played 182 of 200 snaps for the Panthers after being cut before the week one, before week one, the Eagles decided to cut him, even though they're very, very shallow at corner. But regardless, he's ranked the 10th corner in the NFL by PFF. He's been playing second to Dante Jackson. He was weighed by the Eagles on September 5th and stepped into play well for Carolina and he noticed the culture in the loss to Ta- in the loss to Tampa Bay. A new guy on the team, newcomer, had only been there for two weeks, but he wanted to change some things. He says, "I remember a point in the game where we were down twenty-one to zero, and I looked at it, and I looked at everybody, and it just looked like a whatever type of thing, and I didn't like it." So he called up the head coach Matt Rule, and he suggested having team meetings to learn more about his teammates, kind of getting that bond. You know, they always call sports teams a family together. He wanted to feel like a family. He wanted to know who he was playing for, and he wanted to know his teammates. And the Panthers won the next week on the road versus the Chargers. And this is um, this is Douglas's a longer quote from him. He says, if we're going to call each other a family, we've got to feel like family. At the end of the day, when I go home, it's from 7 a.m. to probably 7 p.m. that I'm home. Then I have two hours that I'm going to sleep to get back to get back ready for here. If I'm here with you all day, I need to know you. I need to know who you are. I need to know how you think. So when I'm on the field, it's like I want to play for you. So that's the thing I was trying to get down here. So, I mean... We hear a lot about co- new coaches coming in and trying to change a losing culture, however they want to do it. Well, that guy was Rasul Douglas for the Carolina Panthers and Matt Rule, and they're they're putting in a new culture in Carolina. And I just thought that was a real good story to see these guys kind of, you know, I said earlier, when you're playing for a sports team, you consider those guys your family. And they wanted Rasul Douglas wanted to have that family dynamic. Obviously, he comes from a team that's won a Super Bowl in the Eagles, so he knows what it feels like to win. He wanted to bringing that winning culture to Carolina. 
That's good. That's a great story to hear. You love to hear that. You really do. All right. Really and with do. that, that is the end of another episode of the Hot Corner. Make sure to follow us on our social media at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick Carey and Michael Imami at Imami Michael and Logan at the Logan Franz. Also, make sure to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, and any other podcast services under the name The Hot Corner. We hope you have a wonderful Friday and a great weekend. And there is a chance that we can be on tomorrow to discuss college football on Sports Saturday, so keep an eye out for that one. And that's with that. We will see you potentially tomorrow. If not, same place, same time next week. This has been Hot Corner, signing off.